And I'll be very honest, I am quite nervous um, because it's been a minute since I've been on this stage. For those of you I've not had the pleasure to meet, as Joey mentioned, it's been, my, my name is Abe, uh, my wife Suzette and I, we left Sunset Church back in 2018 uh, for Chicago because of a job situation for me. When we moved there, I ended up becoming a bivocational pastor for a little church out there in Chicago called Church of the Beloved. Uh, for nearly the entire five years that we're there, that's what I was doing. I served as a campus pastor, and then I served as an interim senior pastor for a while, uh, and now I was serving as a pastor there. Now, I, I need to be very clear. My serving as a pastor in Chicago was not my idea whatsoever. It was not our intention, but God obviously has a sense of humor and other plans. Um, but And I do want to tell you more about it if you're interested, so... You join us for lunch afterwards. Uh, if worse comes to worse and we can't chat with you after church, we're not leaving till Monday night. So maybe you can grab us uh, another time. But that this is not about me up here right now. This time is for God. And so I want to get into today's message. And jo I mean, Pastor Joey, uh, he gave me the option to, as you said, continue the sermon series that he started a few weeks back. And uh, understanding on, on the church, understanding what it means to be church, navigating what it means to be a church after everything that America and the world has gone through over the past few years. I mean, we, we've had COVID, uh, all the different, the Me Too movement, the Church Too movement, Black Lives Matter, Stop Asian Hate movements, stories about trauma, church abuse. And that's something, by the way, um, that our church in Chicago experienced, unfortunately, and something that I've been trying to help them heal from for the past few years. Navigating what it means to be a church today. When Joy, when you and I were talking about this, when he explained the sermon series to me, the, his excitement was palpable. He was like, yes. And as a result, I was really starting to get into it myself. And specifically, he asked me to focus on what it means for a gospel transformed community, what it looks like um, within the church. I thought, absolutely. That's actually, that'll be easy. Because um, this is something I've had to focus on quite a bit. All my energy and effort in Chicago. Yes, I was, I was pumped. Or I have a Gen Z translator in Chicago. Per, um, As an FYI, if you're not Gen Z, if you're older and born after 1997, uh, I actually have two translators in Chicago. I have a millennial translator. I have a Gen Z translator. And they often help me communicate effectively because our average age is about 25 at our church. Unfortunately, some Gen Z terms, like obviously I got per wrong, or if you're not Gen Z, you don't understand. I use the phrases incorrectly on a regular basis because I don't know if you know this, Gen Z language is weird. It is so different from anything I'm used to as a Gen Xer that I get it wrong all the time. So if you are Gen Z and I got it wrong, I apologize. If you're my translator, and you're watching, I'm sorry. Um, also, thank you very much to our AV team, our amazing AV team. I purposely asked him to turn the cameras off, me. Um, partly, I'll be very honest with you, this is uh, in my experience, I don't know how y'all feel about this, but the number of screens you interact with on a daily basis, from your phone, to your iPad, to your laptop, to your TV, to maybe a watch, has distanced people so much that it would be very natural for, because I was doing it when Joey was giving mess, uh, announcements, to look at the screen 
instead of the person. We're here in real life, so I asked him to turn that off. It's not broken. That was on purpose. I just want to give an explanation of why that's there. Um, but anyway, going back to today's message with that caveat, I, I, to prepare for today's message and uh, my contribution to this sermon series, I was watching Sunset's messages on a screen uh, online and after I finished preaching at our church. And uh, Avery, I really appreciated your message last week. It was uh, really cool to hear about how the mission of the church is for everyone to be used to live out the gospel, to make it accessible to everyone here as well as around the world. That's, that was great. Joey, I watched your message two weeks ago. Um, and as I was watching, I was thinking, oh, man, my, my message just got a whole lot harder because he used exactly the passage I was going to preach on as well as a lot of the points I was going to make. So I was like, okay, I got I to change this. Um, but if, if you were not here two weeks ago or you didn't get a chance to watch it, uh, he was uh, he was preaching on Ephesians chapter two, and in Ephesians chapter two he focused on a few things. And one of the things he talked about is how the church is central to God's plan. Right. The other thing that he mentioned at a point in his message was how the church is both an organism and an organization. And if you have not heard of what he was making the point there, it was extremely insightful. I've, I really appreciated that. And then he also mentioned how the church is called to be countercultural in community. That was my big thing. And I, I, I think we're going to be okay because my hope today, though, is now to dive a little bit deeper into what Joy focused on in that last point. I want to spend a moment considering what it means to be countercultural, what it means to be a gospel-transformed community, what that should and what that could look like. And I want to do that by setting the stage by pointing out that a first point, gospel-transformed community is based on a covenant, okay? Hebrews chapter eight, uh, the author is known as the teacher. The teacher writes that Jesus established a brand new covenant for his beloved people. Hebrews chapter eight, verse six, this is what it says there. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as a covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. A few verses down in verse 10, and the teacher explains what this new covenant, this better covenant is. It's this, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now, if I were to take the time, there are a bunch of different ways that community can be formed. If you look up the word community, the definition of it, it can be defined as a group of individuals uh, that connect because of shared attitudes, shared interests, shared goals. So for example, being uh, a Chicagoan, uh, I have community with everyone who understands that the best pizza in the world is Chicago deep dish. Being a Korean American, I have community with people who have sh that shared immigrant childhood experience. And now being retired, I am retired from the tech industry at the age of 50. That community is much smaller. If you're a 50 year old retiree, come see me. I want to make community with you. It's a wonderful life. Um, but a gospel transformed, a countercultural community, that's based on the word. It's based on the promise of Jesus Christ. See, a gospel transformed, a countercultural community is one that is connected, that is entwined, that is intertwined because of who our God is 
and because we are his people. We are his beloved. We are his chosen children. So a gospel-transformed community is based on this new covenant with the divine. A gospel-transformed community exists because of the holy covenant that Jesus' redemptive work, that is death on and resurrection from the cross, what it did for those who believe. It's because we are God's people. A gospel-transformed community is because we are God's beloved and adopted children. That's the heart of the community that the church, that I believe Sunset Church, is striving to create. And that's the first thing I wanted to mention to set the stage of a gospel-transformed community. A gospel-transformed community is based on a covenant, right? The second thing, or the second building block of a gospel-transformed community is this. We're all created in the image of God. You're probably familiar with this passage, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It said, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. We're all created in the image of God. And, and God is the perfect example of community. Our church in Chicago, I started this new tradition. Um, we do catechism. We do catechism with our kids every Sunday before we send them off to Sunday school. So they join us for worship and praise and singing and, and such. And, and then well, we take the time to remind our kids, adults and kids alike together, what it is that we believe in as Christians. So every week before I excuse the kids, I take the time, I say this, the catechist engages in catechesis to catechize the catacomb. And that's what we do together as catechism. We use something that was developed by Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York. And if you're not familiar with it, this was a church founded by the late Tim Keller. He, together with the Gospel Coalition, created something called the New City Catechism. And this New City Catechism is created to instill core doctrines of Christian faith uh, using 52 questions and answers. It's, and there's a kid's version and an adult's version. It's a lot of fun if you have children. It's a great way to, to grow and understand. But the, one of the questions in the catechisms is this. How many persons are there in, the, in, in God? And the church response for the kid's version is that there are three persons in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The adult version, the more expanded one, and I'm going to read it to you, it says that there are three persons in the one true and living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. Now, I'm not intending to go deep into the theology of the Trinity or what, are, what it means to have a triune God that we believe in as Christians, but I just wanted to mention one thing, remind us of one thing as we think about community, which is this. Scripture teaches and Christians believe that there's only one God who is forever dis three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So God is simultaneously one and three. Each is unique, and in their diversity, there is perfect unity. In other words, our triune, our Trinitarian God is the perfect community. So we're created in the image of God, and God is the perfect community, so... God intends for us to be in gospel-transformed community just as he is forever in community himself. See, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, 
says, then the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I'll, I'll make him a helper for, fit for him. From the very beginning, from the very beginning of creation, we are supposed to be in community. It's not fit for him to be alone. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. This is what it says there. Uh, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, gospel transformed community is the design God established when Jesus put the new covenant in place. Gospel transformed community is how we live out our reality as image bearers of God. Those two things set the stage of gospel transformed community, what countercultural community in the church can look like. And this, this type of community, it is based on a new covenant established by Jesus, a, a new covenant that allows us that through which God proclaims, I will be their God and they shall be my people. And it is what we strive for because we are image bearers of God and our triune God is the perfect community. That is the foundation. What I want to do is spend the rest of my time uh, sharing some observations, food for thought, on what it means to intentionally live as part of a gospel-transformed community, that it, uh, one that is countercultural and that is representative of the upside-down kingdom of God that all of those who proclaim him as God are citizens of. And this is the first observation I'd like to share. Um, Community is not found. Community is built. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and uh, says that we are not supposed to neglect gathering together, right? And I'm going to say this. I'm sorry for those of you for whom it will be hard to hear. I do not believe that this includes Zoom meetings, team meetings, Google Hangouts, or if you're old like me, Skype calls. Not to throw shade on anyone who's joining us virtually. I know there are many who appreciate it. And I know I hear that we actually have somebody who, who came to Christ thanks to these virtual meetings. That's wonderful. Uh, I do it all the time. I'll tell you this, Suzette and I, we've been involved with Hands at Work for over 10 years. The virtual get-togethers that they use has helped that ministry grow in way and connect in ways that we could have never imagined when we first started supporting that ministry years ago. I went to Sunset's YouTube channel and I was, uh, I was awed every week, over 300 views to each sermon. I mean, Joey, you have 300 people who want to watch you. It's pretty awesome to see the gospel message getting out there to so many people. But here's the thing, being virtual, it does not allow you to encourage. It does not allow you to build each other up in our faith. It only allows me to consume the gift of the message of God. It never allows me to give the gift back to my fellow sisters and brothers in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, it says this. It tells us that the family of God, that sunsets gospel-transformed countercultural community is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as a cornerstone. The gospel transformed community is built. I'll tell you, I know Joey welcomed those of you who are new, uh, who are joining us for worship today. If you're, if you're new, um, I welcome you as well. I'm kind of new myself. Um, and here's a question for y'all. And this is a question for every single person, really. 
when you started or when you come to this church, do you come here wanting to find a community? If you are trying to find community, I understand it because I'll be honest, I want community as well. My wife wants that too. I think everybody wants to find a community. We want to find a community that we fit into, whether uh, people have same interests, like that you like to run, you like to eat. Uh, well, I guess everyone likes to eat. Uh, you like to wear similar clothes. You appreciate similar things. So when it comes to, to finding a church, to fi- going to church to find a community, I fully understand that. It's what you say. But my challenge to everyone here listening is this. Based on my understanding of Scripture, and what it says about community, I don't think that's what we should be doing. I don't think we should be finding community. We should be building community. We should be working towards community. I want to spill some tea. Um, Another one. Anyone born before 1997, to spill tea means to share some inside information. Um, I don't know where it comes from. That's what tea is. Anyway, the tea is this. Church is messy. And sometimes... People suck. I'm sorry. That's the team. And the thing is, the only way to get past that is this. is to see the person who's in front of you as Christ sees that person. Because see, this is the thing. Jesus, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could take on his righteousness. So that we now have to see the beloved child of God that's sitting or standing next to you, in front of you, behind you, we need to see them as righteous, as Christ is righteous, as forgiven, just as that person needs to see you as righteous, as forgiven. Because there's no doubt in my mind that God intends for a diverse Christian community. The Bible points to a beauty and a necessity of a diversity. We are members. We are all different members of one unified body. We all have different skills. We have different histories, different stories, different appearances, different traumas, different joys. And there's so much beauty in the unity of this diversity that God has designed. If, if we continue to work out our salvation together, if we continue to build each other up, if we continue together to look for the beauty and the unity of Christian diversity within our community, it becomes so evident and such an amazing thing to behold. There's a theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, is a German theologian who was uh, executed by uh, Hitler during World War II. He said this about community. He said, Those who love their dream, who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself, become destroyers of that Christian community. See, the fact that y'all came, and there's a lot of you here, came into the church in person, this is an amazing and awesome first type. Being here IRL, being here in real life is a good thing. That's what I said. This is why I didn't want my picture up here. I don't want you looking up there. We're here together in person. But coming into the church with an idolized view of what it means to have to find community, coming into the church with your own definition of what church should look like instead of God's definition of what church or community should look like is going to lead to disappointment because community is is not found community is built it takes work 
But community is not built by us alone. Community is built by God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 16 says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the circumcision, uncircumcision by what's called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hand. Remember, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. See, the salvation of all of God's elect from Jew to Gentile, it has been completed in the work of Christ. John chapter 4, verse 21, this is what Jesus telling, talking to the Samaritan woman said. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the fa Father. See, the thing is, the hour has come. We can now worship together the one Savior that redeems the world. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7 to 9 says this, Know that then, know then that th it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. See, Jesus, the Jew, is Jesus, the Savior, for his beloved, for his elect. I want to share a really quick story, if you don't mind. Um, Suzanne and I, my wife, before the pandemic, we would spend time in Zambia every year. We would go to encourage and support the care workers uh, from local churches who were caring for and loving the widows and orphans who were impacted by the ongoing AIDS pandemic there. Um, and I'm so glad to see how Sunset's still involved in that ministry, which is awesome. But one of the very first words I ever had to learn in Bemba, which is the language spoken in northern Zambia, the very first word I had to ever learn was something called, or the word muzungu. And every time Suzanne and I would enter into the bush, a remote area, anywhere we went, in, even in the cities, we would hear people calling us this constantly children running up to us and yelling mozungu mozungu and so our translator we looked at her and she smiled and she explained mozungu means white person um and i remember looking at suzette and being a bit confused um i don't know if there are many i don't see any too many caucasian uh sisters or brothers in the room but may have a few listening online no offense at all i'm not white um, I, I'm pale. I know that. If you ever, if I were to wear shorts, avert your eyes, my legs are translucent. They're just bright. Um, but I've never been called white. But to the people in Zambia, there's just two kinds of people. You're black or you're not black. And we're not black, so we are muzungu. We're white. 
Now, I'll tell you, in the time of Paul, there were only two kinds of people then, too. There was Jew, not Jew. Jew, Gentile. Until Jesus comes. With Jesus, the distinction changed. It's no longer Jew and non-Jew. It is now redeemed and not redeemed. See, the arbitrary walls that were built up based on language, based on culture, based on gender, based on social status, based on age or financial, these did not hold any weight anymore. The only thing that mattered, the only thing that matters is whether or not you love Jesus. I'll tell you this, and that was it. Now in my church in Chicago, I, I, the thing I tell folks all the time, I don't care if you're Baptist, Episcopalian, Lutheran, Pentecostal, Anglican, as long as you love Jesus, as long as you believe Jesus Christ is the only way, truth, and life, you are my family. You are my community. We are one in the bond of love of Christ based on the redemptive work of Jesus by the power and grace of him. We are uniform. No, sorry, we are unified. We may not be uniform. But see, community is built. It is not found, and community is built by God and not me. Because the thing that we have to understand with Christian community is without Christ, there is no unity in that diversity. Without Christ, there is no new covenant promise for us. Without Christ, there is no hope at all. But with Christ, there is peace. With Christ, there is a covenant with our God. With Christ, there is a unity in our diversity. And with Christ, we have a gospel-transformed, countercultural community. Only with Christ. I just have one last thing that I want to share. Before I do, let me just recap really quickly. What I'm trying to say is a gospel transforming culture, countercultural community is based on a new covenant. This new covenant that God established by his son. And in this community is because we are image bearers of God who is the perfect community. And this gospel transformed community that our church strives to be, it is built. It is not found. And it is built by God, not by us. And what I want to end with is this. This type of community is based on God's design, not mine. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, it tells us that we're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. I'm not sure if uh, you all feel the same, um, Personally, I feel like the refugee crisis in the U.S. has gotten harder and harder, uh, getting worse and worse. In Chicago, uh, we're seeing more and more families in such dire need, refugee families. So our church has been trying to figure out how do we support these families that are coming in. We've been partnering with some of our Spanish-speaking churches in the, in the community uh, to help as much as we can. But the path to citizenship or residency for these folks, I'm not trying to get political, but it's not easy. Um, our design for citizenship or community in the U.S., it's challenging. Again, not trying to get political. The challenging, whether or not it's right, doesn't matter to me, but it's hard. But God's design for community is not. Citizenship into the kingdom of God simply requires one thing. It simply requires faith. And so we are fellow citizens in the, with the global body of Christ. We are sisters and brothers with our local embassy, which is this church, our local heavenly outpost here 
in San Francisco. As citizens of God's kingdom, we are living in a foreign land. The local church serves as our embassy. This is where we are. This is where we proclaim and live out our citizenship. And one's citizenship in the heavenly kingdom is proclaimed and affirmed by this local embassy. We don't join an embassy. We submit to the embassy. We submit to the authority of that local embassy that has been established by our king in heaven. And the local embassy promises to guard and protect and care for its citizens. See, God's design of gospel transformed community allows me and allows anyone who believes that it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, it allows us to proclaim that we are citizens of the kingdom of God as affirmed by this local embassy, by Sunset Church, and we will submit to the authority given by God to this local embassy as this family, as this community promises to also guard and protect and care for us. That's God's design of community. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, it gives us an even greater picture of what community, a faith community should and must look like. It says this, starting with verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, I was reading a blog post once. The author mentioned how she believes that, that many people assume uh, that true community requires transparency, right? And it's something that our church in Chicago really needs to lean on and focuses on quite a bit just because of our history with trauma and abuse in that church. Uh, she wrote that being able to emotionally expose yourself to the people around you, it is, in her mind, a key ingredient uh, for a community of faith. This is actually what she wrote. She says, because if we are truly loved by God and if we really believe that God forgives our sins, then our sins don't matter and there's no concept of public shame only joyous proclamations of God's amazing redemptive work in our lives. This, it sounds good. I don't disagree. But I think that, I, I mentioned this because I think it's an incomplete description of a gospel transformed community. Because here's the thing, transparency, not a bad thing, but it should not be the foundation of a Christian community. That's how a human might design community. You know, we have to be transparent with one another. It's designed on my ability, on my word. I, I, I believe transparency could be a result of a gospel-transformed community, but the foundation of a gospel-transformed community that any Christian community is built on, it has to be Christ alone. That is how God designed it. See, the ability for us to build a community of Christ followers of gospel-transformed disciples and disciple-makers. It is by the strength of the comforter or the Holy Spirit that's left behind by the Son of God to be our helper. That is God's design of gospel-transformed community. Being transparent, being emotionally raw, being exposed, not bad things necessarily. I think they're actually good things. But these are not the things we base our community on because these would be human design. The ones that uh, it's, it's one that we are 
probably focused, I would say this, the idea of being transparent in that kind of design, a humanistic mentality, I think is one people are familiar with because nowadays you hear the term question authority. That's a very common phrase now. And I'm not, not against it. I believe transparency is a very good thing. I really do. And I think it's something that uh, I want to be personally. I want to be as transparent as possible. And if Sunset Church decides that I have been called to serve here in San Francisco at Sunset, awesome. But there are going to be days, I will honestly say, that I will mess up. There will be times when some will say, I'm not transparent enough. Maybe I won't respond kindly enough to someone sharing about private sin. Maybe I won't be pastoral enough to someone who's suffering. I hope that's not the case. I'll say this, that I don't think it's going to be because I don't want to consider you more significant. I don't think it's going to be because I don't want to love you as my beloved family as, and as part of my our gospel transformed countercultural community. If that happens, it's going to be because I am still striving to work out my salvation with, I hope, you. Because I want to do that with you as part of this gospel transformed community. Because being transparent is not a bad thing. But it's not the thing that I believe we need to base community on. Because that's human design. God's design requires us to base that community on Christ. Because a gospel transformed countercultural community is based on our new covenant with God, established by his son. It is because we are image bearers of God who is the perfect community. And this gospel transformed community that the church strives to be, it is built, it is not found. It is built by God, not by us. It has to be based on God's design, not my own. And God's design understands how imperfect we are and understands how we are justified, but maybe not yet sanctified. God's design pushes us to do nothing out of selfish ambition. God's design pushes us to, in our humility, count others more significant. God's design of gospel transformed community calls us to not neglect gathering together because that's how we are encouraged and that's how we encourage. God's design of gospel transformed countercultural community, it requires us to show up and to depend on him. Philippians Paul wrote to them saying, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. In humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That is where I hope, where I believe Sunset Church can go when it comes to being a church that strives for a gospel transformed community. Would you allow me to pray with you and the worship team can come back up? Let's pray. Precious Father in heaven, almighty God, you are glorious, you are king, you are Lord. You are perfect and your plan is beyond my comprehension. Your design of who we are as a church intentionally included this idea for us to be together as a church. That the gospel 
might enable and transform us to consider each other more significant, to encourage and be encouraged by each other, to not neglect gathering together, to loving each other so that we could be drawn nearer to you through each other. Precious Father in heaven, I ask and I beg and I plead, transform the hearts and the minds and the wills of every single person who hears my voice here at this church, at Sunset Church, to love you with all, they are, all their being so that together we can show the world what it means to be a citizen of heaven in a gospel transformed community. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen.